0: I thank God for being a big old God. He's huge, right? He can't be measured. He can't can't fit into anywhere. As a matter of fact, when there was absolutely nothing, there was God. And so he didn't need anything to be inside of to be who he is. He's expansive. And when he thinks a thought, it just is huge. It just never stops going. And, uh, And so when he decided to create everything, everything had to expand. That's just his personality. And we don't know where the edge of the universe is. It just keeps going and going and going. And, and that's what he's like. Uh, and so he puts his, his nature, his character, into everything that he creates. So everything has to, feels the capacity and the need to, to swell up and to grow. And to, there comes a day, the scriptures say, when we, G- Jesus is going to fill everything. And uh, there's going to be one glory after the next glory after the next glory. He just likes doing that. And so he created inside of every one of us this urge to get up, stand up, and stagger forward, and walk, and then to jog, and then to run, and then to sprint, and then to want to take flight. We just got it inside of us. You can't can't help yourself. He's an expansive God. As I thought about uh, our yearly topic here, courageous conversations, courage, courage, having courage. And from the beginning of the year, you've been talking about it. You first have to have a courageous conversation because most people don't want to face the smallness on the inside of them. We try to find smallness in other people and try to bring them down to our level or below. But God's not interested in that. He wants everybody swelling, growing, and expanding and reaching. Conversations have to lead to changes, though. Can't just talk because talk is real cheap. And then you talk, you got to write it down and make a plan. And after you make plans, you must step out and be courageous in faith. Trust that he's got your back. And find new ways to light new flames in your life. Our text is from, as you see with the notes there, book of Genesis. Genesis 12, and I'll read that. We don't go progressively, step by step, necessarily through our notes, but I'll, you'll try to get an idea of where I am when... I say certain things. Those four verses, first part of verse 4, beginning at verse 1. The Lord had said to Avram, or Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord has instructed. I love talking about Abram, whose name was eventually changed expansively to Abraham. He is, according to the scriptures, the father of our faith. We are children of Abraham, so you learn from your daddy. He's some kind of man. Well, I like talking about him because he began with something very, very small, an idea in his heart. I kind of thought about it on the, in the days when I was trying to make up my mind whether I was going <laughs> to obey God. Making up your mind whether well, you're going to obey, obey God. and not an interesting thought? Before we decided to move to South Carolina, as I talked with Pastor Rick about where he was going and what his thoughts were and what his you know his ideas were, he said, "You know, it'd be a good idea if you referenced how you felt and what you were thinking." When you were here, when that expansive thing, the thought to just reach out and step forward and do something you never did before and move to South Carolina, how that process went. So I'll incorporate that into uh, what I am sharing with you today. Now We, we went, and there are some very nice people there. They're very nice. And uh, there's about 23 of them. And uh, that was bigger than any church I ever had before. You know, that was huge compared to the one I had before that, like none. <laughs> and uh, so it was kind of intimidating to me. They were very nice folks, and they were glad for us to be there. Well, after about a year and a half, two years, you know, they finally decided how they're going to think about me. And finally, you know, they were kind of talking, some of them amongst themselves, and finally you kind of hear it pop up. You know, you can't keep a secret pops up. And eventually, they just started saying, "What, man, we don't understand you. We don't know what you're saying. They were used to, a, you know, another, it's almost like a dog who got a new plate to eat out of. Like, Man, where my other bowl? You know, a cow, they tell me, stand at a new gate. These country people over there know about that. I don't know about that. My family over there. You stand at a new gate, say, I don't know whether I want to walk through that or not they finally decided, you know, we love you, but we've got to go. About 13 of them, of that 23, a solid solid consensus was gathered. And within two months, they just took off. Well, I'm thanking God that we grew up well beyond that, so I didn't have that. I, I felt that giant sucking sound, but there was still some people there. But, you know, I've been dumped by enough girls to know how it feels to be rejected. And uh, so it it got to the place where I said, "But you know, gosh, man, that hurts. Uh, And there were nice folks who were still there. You know, you're a great pastor. And I'm thinking, yeah, they thought so too, and they took off. So you get to that place where you say, man, I need something. I need God. God got to talk because I'm not used to this kind of rejection, before." A lady walked up to me with this little pink flyer, and I saw the picture on it. I looked at it, and I said, I know that lady's face. She happened to be actually uh, a Messianic Jewish believer from Jacksonville, Florida. I'd never met her before, and, uh, but I was over at Evangel Temple, Sandra and I, and there were some folks there, and that woman looked at me, and she said, come here. A husband was there, too. And they would just start saying stuff like, oh, my God, just wow, stuff was in my heart, you know. And I said, well, sir, strange winds blowing these days, right? Thirteen years later, she shows up in Columbia right at the time I needed her. I mean, I need somebody to say something because I'm thinking to go back home. <laughs> but here's the problem. Um, y'all had given me a hero send-off you don't come back. You know, you got to give away, give back all the stuff they gave you and everything. You know, it it got messy. Man, I can't can't even go back home. You you know, sometimes you get so far gone, you can't go back. You know, you made enough of a mess and you stuck. That's how it was. And that woman was standing there, and I didn't want to just get up and say, hey, later, yo, you remember 13 years ago? (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to do that. And And but I needed something. I didn't know what I needed. And all of a sudden, she just looked at me. She said, you, brother, come here. I said, here we go. She looked at me and started grinning. I thought she said, I think I remember you. She didn't say that. She says, my brother, the Lord speaks to me. And he says, that is at the top of your page. That which has a small beginning do not despise it and i'm thinking how you know that and she continued because it has no because you chose to step out of your security to stand in me says the lord you she looked at me and pointed a finger in my face you We'll see the reward in this place. What was I going to do then? She said, it's got a deep tap root and a fat trunk. And it will not be here today and blown to the wind the next. It will spring up and be strong. Sure work on a sure foundation. I was ready to go then. Do you know what happened within six weeks? That next Sunday... I walked up in in, my, in service, you know, getting ready to, you know, and people start coming in. And they never saw before. Where did they come from? And uh, about five of them say, we want to join this church. And I say, okay. <laughs> then the next Sunday, about six, I said, who are y'all, okay. <laughs> After six weeks, 31 people have joined. All right, all right. And there were about 50 or 60 were, t- were thinking about it. It's like, what is Praise the Lord. That's all I knew what to do. And a fresh wind blew through there. So I knew that that was where I was supposed to be. Never stop moving because you got a setback. Don't do it. You just keep moving. Keep on moving. Even if you don't know what you're doing. What did uh, 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 great granddaddy H.E. say? Boy, man, Daddy used to say, when you walk through them airports... Act like you know where you're going, even if you don't. (laughs) It's amazing some of us didn't walk off a cliff or something in there. Act like you know. My granddaddy got lost in the hospital in Jessup. It was a Jessup, Brunswick. Got lost in the hospital and too proud, I know, I'm a farmer, I understand it, too proud to ask somebody how you get out. Now, that's Baxley for you, man. You don't even know how to get out. And um, he walked up to, you know, my daddy and granddaddy was a preacher, he walked up to uh, this lady and said, Ma'am, this young man right here is lost. Could you show him how to get out of here? So we just got that going, you know. And it uh, didn't make no sense, but that's what he did. He acted like he knew where he was going. And uh, that's what you do. There comes a time when you realize that there are things more important than what's familiar. Familiarity is not God. Just because it feels good doesn't mean it's God. Just because that's the way we used to do it doesn't mean it's God. The familiar, the routine, the comfortable. Man, I'm a captain, the captain of comfortable. I like sit it like that and don't move it. I married that pretty girl right there, right there in the middle, right there. And I say, you stay just that cute all your life. (laughs) And she has done so. Plus tax. Come on, man. <laughs> Plus tax. That's what dudes do, you know, by the way. Don't count this in my time. But guys, when we stand up in the altar, we all happy. Man, I got me a woman, man. I got, And we say, man, you just, man, that's the kind of woman I wanted. Don't change a thing. You fine. That woman ain't thinking that. Oh, no, don't be acting like that. Y'all ain't thinking that. You look at that dude and say, yeah, you know, you all right. That's what you do. I know I got, I got plans for him. I can change all kind of stuff with this right here. Y'all know it. Clap your hands if you know I'm telling the truth. You know I'm telling the truth. You're lying in church if you didn't clap your hands. <laughs> lying in church. You know we are projects. You know we are. Nothing but a big old lifelong project. <laughs> I thought I came from the projects. I think I did. When I, You know, from time to time, man, fix that. Stand up straight. Do this. All right, I'm good. I'm cool. I'm cool. But you can't stay the way you are. You can't. Got to make a choice to change. That time arrives when you become aware of a need that you alone are called upon to fill. You alone. Maybe a courageous choice to do something new within the home team. Try something else. Do another thing. You haven't been doing anything? Do something to add to the home here. It may be that choice. Or, as in my case, something uh, that extends the team beyond the safety of this community life. I am still a part of this church. I am still in CCB. I am a part of this team. And I would not have it any other way. When you heed the call to expansion, though, at some point... Everything in you starts shifting. I can't explain. I don't know the words for it. There's a a discontent that starts. When you start considering a new way for things to be, stuff starts changing in your heart, in your mind, and you can't be the same. You can't go back. You realize you have to respond to your present dissatisfaction with the status quo. You know what the status quo is, right? They tell me it's called the mess we's in right now. That's what that is. And I love, I thought of a text, uh, a text in Deuteronomy. Chapter 32. It's a strong illustration, I think. Israel was in Egypt and the Lord, the Bible says, brought them on eagle's wings. And I took you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. This text talks about how the eagle works with its young. The text says, as an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings. And I've done a little bit of study of eagles, and some of you have done the same. And you've seen that when that eagle which makes that nest way up high somewhere, big old thing, and it grabs the material and somehow instinctu- uh, stick instinctively knows how to build that thing and, and then goes and get this soft material, soft down and soft things and leaves and just soft, eat nest to nest carpeting, right? And then the babies are born. They come out and they just, oh, man, you know, and they open their, their mouths all they got to do is open their mouths. And y'all remember back then when you just opened your mouth and they stuck a bottle in there? You remember? You don't even remember. Golly. <laughs> Those were the days, man. Those were the days. And I mean, every time you just whimp, whimper, bam, you open your mouth, bang, they fed you. And 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 they fed you. Come a point when, you know, your cheap, cheap, cheap became Chee, 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 and finally, chee, chee, chee. That's the signal when you hear that part. Chee, chee, chee. You is too big for the nest. <laughs> too big. And it was two things were going too well, and I uh, should have shut your mouth. And uh, there comes a day. When mama or papa eagle comes along and says, how you doing? Good, mama doing real good, real comfortable in here. Good, I always want you to be comfortable. <laughs> Sticks those big old talons out, right? Let me take you for a ride. Mm-hmm. Oh, a ride, right? good, yeah, a ride. Right. Grab your crazy self, you don't even know what's happening. <laughs> and then does this. <laughs> and hits that, that, that wall of wind. <laughs> and you go... Ooh, I love the Ferris wheel. This is great. And you're flying around. Oh, man, we need to be doing this every day, every day, not understanding your prayer, right? And then eventually, ups and lets you go and let you drop. And you go, something wrong with this here. So what's wrong with this picture? And you're trying to, anybody got grandkids and watch Rio? Any of you grown people watch Rio? Stop acting all like, I'm spiritual, I don't watch. I watch Rio. I saw that little dude, that blue dude, fall out of that nest. And he was falling down. Just you have that picture in your mind of the little eagle going, what's going on here? And, and then mama, dad comes down and scoops it back up and takes it up again. Oh, goodness, man, I'm glad that was over. That was a trial and a tribulation. And the next thing, it drops you again and again. And again, our parents dropped us off at the airport and said, find your way to Minnesota. Find your way. I got lost in math. I couldn't know how to get from the airport to the school. I didn't know what to do. I figured something out. You know, Connecticut, New Jersey, just go. Our folks had courage. They dropped us, but they knew we could fly. And finally, on one of those drops, your wing kind of got slung out there and you Realize, well, I got some resistance going on. So, well, didn't quite learn it yet. And then dropped you again. And both of these little arms coming. And before you know it, you went, wait, wait, wait a minute. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What? And you start flying around. And you go, man, I like this. And your mama will say, come on. No, I want to say, how late can I stay out? And eventually they say, you can stay out from now on. Don't come back home. (laughs) And that's how God does you. That's how he does you. He takes you up. Stirs the nest. That means takes the comfort out. Take the wall to wall, the nest to nest, carpeting out. You know? And it's prickly. And Man, my bed don't feel like it used to. Because this is beginning to be... The point of transition for you. Dissatisfaction with the way things are. Well, you're called to leave a, a secure place. Every one of us. I don't mean to go out of town. I'm talking about do something new. You know your heart's been telling you about some stuff. Can you leave a place of comfort to build a, a better future for you and for your family? One man did in the most profound way. His name was Avram. Abraham, Abraham. Or Abraham, he became as we talked about it, from Ur of the Chaldees. It was a really nice city. They have earned some really nice, uh, you know, the, the housing and things like that. It Was very up to our standards in a lot of ways, but there was something inside of him that was dissatisfied, and he began to pick up on God's expansive nature. And it's real easy to find somebody's getting ready to move. They're the only ones blinking down there, and he goes, "Hey." need you to go somewhere for me. And uh, the man picks up and goes. But if you will notice there, Genesis 12, 1 through 4, I mean that first phrase there, first clause, it says in verse 1, y'all see it right there? The Lord, what? Had, no, read it like it's on the paper there. What does it say? The Lord had said to Abram. And that's what I used to say. The Lord said to Abram. no. It says the Lord has said. That means He said it before. He'd been dealing with His heart for a long time, dealing with Him, dealing with Him. It didn't just all of a sudden God just shows Him, "All right, leave." He said, well, who are you? It wasn't like that. He worked with His heart. Jesus came to, to call the disciples. He didn't just walk up, just walk up. Well, He did walk up to the table with Matthew and some of these guys, and He looked at them and says, "Follow Me," and they goes. We will follow you. Oh, That ain't how that works. All right? It's not how it works. He had said. You know, God has said some stuff to your heart. He's working a process with you. It keeps coming back around and around and around. And you can't crush it. You can't push it down. And you know at some point, you are going to have to do something. This man responded, think. God that he did. The whole world has never been the same because of him. Well, Pastor Rick and the Overcoming by Faith leadership team had regularly discussed the, and prayed about the church's extension further than we are, all right? right, I've Talked about South Carolina a lot, and I'm standing on the side, yeah, man, send somebody over there. That would be good. We're going to go do something. Oh, Hardyville, great. Let's go. Yeah, this is good. What do you want me to do, Pastor Rick? And uh, I was happy about prospects, but I had no clue that that vision would eventually change my life profoundly. It was, I was one of them. I was one of the ones. And I thought, well, you know, Hardy, I can handle Hardyville. It's not like getting on the side of the pool and doing this. I can come back home every day. Look, I can like this. Look at this right here, right there, like this. <laughs> There's something about God in me. He has to stretch it out way far. Well, I got to go to the whole capital and say, I ain't never been lived there. I don't know how you get there. And it's changed my life profoundly. But for your life to change profoundly, you have to have courage to step out. You've got to have courage. And courage doesn't mean, hallelujah, I feel pretty good about this. That's not courage. Courage is this right here. I'm going anyway. You know, you see the county lion, don't you? I'm going. That's courage. A dude had courage the whole time because he did what scared him out of his wits. That's courage. Don't wait on courage. Just start moving. No matter how small, uh, it is no, I'm sorry, it's no small matter to lead your family <laughs> to a new place. It was the singularly most difficult decision of Abram's life. The scripture says in Genesis 12, 4 through 7. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Somebody go, uh-oh. If you don't know, you don't know the Bible, that's why they didn't say it loud enough. All right, those who know the Bible say, uh-oh. uh-oh. Picked up some baggage. Good old Lot. He's a good guy. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, all the people he had taken into his household at Haran and headed for the land of Canaan. Somebody say, uh-oh. uh-oh. Yeah, uh-oh. Can- Canaan got something for you. All right, it had something for him. And he goes on. When they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem, where he set up camp because of, um, beside the Oak of Moreh. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. Say, uh-oh again. Verse 7, then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. The man had courage and he stepped out because he knew who told him to go. You need to be listening to your heart about what God is telling you to do about your life. Just listen and keep listening. He'll keep speaking, and he'll be with you the whole way. I can testify that he has done it and will do it for you. But then there's, you have to consider the fact also that God will comfort you as you go. So there is comfort in going with God's guidance. Before you do, though, you have to set aside time to sit there and talk with God and listen. And talk with God and do what else? You're listening. That's why you didn't say nothing. To talk with God. And what? And listen. It's a conversation between your heart and Him. And you may not hear anything, but that's all right. Just act like you did. And just keep on going. Keep in the Word of God. Keep devotion going. Keep your heart open. And as you go, He opens doors and closes them. Sometimes He closes them because He wants you to go through them. There's an interesting thought. They might open one to test you to see whether you will hold back because you know that you should not go through it. Set aside time to pray and you'll be more sensitive. There are times when the team can come to a conclusion with the Lord's help that some members must be set apart for team expansion, though. The prophets and teachers in Antioch did just what? Just that with his guidance. I am so excited about what Pastor Joyce Hall is doing over at uh, is it, Garden City. Oh, my goodness. Clap your hands, y'all. This is amazing. Amazing. I'm thinking, man, I could have done that too if I'd have stayed, man, because these people who knew me. They knew my daddy's name. And I felt God in my heart say, shut up. You are where you're supposed to be. <laughs> and I'm excited that I am where I am. But you know, I was so excited to be here. I knew a lot of people's names here. I knew you guys and going in and out amongst folks, and uh, but things start getting prickly and I didn't quite understand why. But I think I do, and I think one of the first ones who picked it up and who was real bold about it was actually that guy there, Sylvester. I wanted to go to his college. You know, man, Carlton College in Northfield, Minnesota. That was easy. No, you ain't coming up here. He ain't like he's older than somebody or something. Got me about 300 and what six to seventy days or something. And um he said, No, nah, no, nah, you ain't coming, you ain't coming up here. I'm thinking, what kind of crimes has he committed up there? He don't want me. To... <laughs> and um he said, no, nah, no. Nah. And this guy's been a leader all his life. And um, connections with the admissions folks up there who one guy always wanted to go to school in Williamstown, Massachusetts, at Williams College. He said, You know what? You're going to apply to Williams. This is one year, one year older than me. You're going to apply to Williams, and uh, you'll get in there and everything. All right, all right. I'll tell you, I'm, I'll tell you. I, just, I just go, okay. That was just my nature. Okay, I'm, let's do it. And thank God I was like that because that's where I was supposed to be. And uh, he's done a lot for all of us to find our way uh, educationally in this world. And there comes times when... You run into some problems where you are. And you look around for help and you, you feel, well, I thought this is the place I'm supposed to be. Don't get it all twisted up when you run into problems, okay? Look at Acts chapter 13, verse, uh, verse 2. Two verses there. One day, listen, as these men, meaning there was a group of prophets and teachers who were there praying and they were fasting, trying to see what God wanted them to do to expand the team, right? Right? and where they wanted him to go, because they'd get, been given the command to go into all the world. Well, one day when these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work which I have called them, to which I've called them. So after more fasting and more prayer, the men laid their hands on him, partly as a As a symbol of identification, we go with you, we support you. And the transfer of God's anointing to these men, they lay hands on them and sent them on their way. Well, when you go, don't stop. Keep going. Don't ever stop. Look at Acts 16, beginning at verse 6. Paul and Silas, same Paul but a different partner. Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia. Because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. Verse 8. So instead, they went on to Mysia, through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. Say Troas. Because everybody has a torah. You just don't know you have one. I'll show you in a second. That night, verse 9, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia, northern Greece, was standing there pleading with him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. So, he says, we decided to leave for Macedonia at once. Having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. He had no clue that God was trying to do something way more expansive than, than just crossing the Aegean Sea. Troas was a seaport town, and there was no more further you could go. God had already stopped them from going into Bithynia and going into uh, 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 all these other cities and regions, and they were sitting, well, I guess I could just pray, sitting at the seaport, and he sent somebody from Macedonia saying, come over here. Probably wouldn't have gone. They got in a boat when they could get one, crossed the Aegean Sea into Macedonia, began to spread the the, the good news of Jesus Christ, spread the gospel, and it took off like wildfire. So much, it expanded. Of course, it went down into Africa, all the way across to Spain and Germany and France. And before you know it, some people had some ideas and say... We need to pick up some folks. They hear there's a new land over there. They got to clear it out for us. I wonder who those people were. And they crossed the ocean and showed up in a place where now your DNA finds its expression from the soil of this country. Don't nobody, don't let nobody tell you this is not your country. God decided for you to be here. Don't bow to anybody. You are second to no one. It's my country and the gospel spread do you realize you are Christian today because Paul and Silas at Troas said yes to God what are you restricting from expanding because you are not at your Troas you're still over there talking about somewhere else or you ran into a problem and want to go home can't go home again. You ever been gone from your hometown? You know, where small towns all of us is from. You went back there, man, it ain't like it used to be. Where's the Piggly Wiggly store? You know, where they don't, you know, you I mean, can't even find the old neighborhood. You know, and uh, you can go, but you can't because there's something new inside of you. You ain't bigger than that place. You just, something unchanged. That's what God does with all of us. He digs around in our hearts. And it gets us to thinking about a new way. Expand, expand, grow. It may be within this ministry, and it may be somewhere else. Who knows? God can move his people around like he wants to. I'm thankful that he brought me to this church, and from this foundation, we moved to South Carolina. Oh, my. And the difference I can't even tell you about. I can't calculate it. I cannot explain to you. How, the the um, wonderful changes that have happened in our lives because we just said, yeah, and kept on going. You know, I was around here, and uh, Pastor Rick was on radio, and he said, well, Greg, help me do some of these intros. Use your voice and do this and that. And you know, I'm, I'm working with it. I'm thinking I'm helping him out, and I am helping him out. But God is teaching me how to do it for myself. <laughs> I step up there and, and decide we're going to go on radio. And just so happened, why did it just so happen, there was a brand new FM station there, African American-owned FM Christian. That was unheard of back in the 90s, 93. And uh, it cost a cow and a calf, 15 cent was a cow and a calf to meet because we wouldn't bring it in many offerings back then, but... Uh, got on the station. The man fell in love with our church. Within a year, he says, I want you to do prayers every day, a two-minute prayer every day. I've been on there and done it for free for 24 years. Every day, every day, every day, every day. (laughs) Extending the ministry forward on radio every Sunday, every Sunday. When I walk up in somewhere and I start talking to somebody, they say, who are you? I say, my name is Greg. He said, you that dude from the radio, ain't you? I can't hide nowhere And then he grabs another station. It's called the Word and Worship Network. And they like us, so they said, if you just give us $200 a month just as a donation, we're going to put you on the radio. I said, well, that's cool. That's $200. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. didn't realize the man was talking about putting me on there 10 times a day for seven days a week. I I can count. That's 70 times in a week. What the world? In addition to time we pay for, the station and his network covers about a half to two thirds of South Carolina. I'm driving on the road center now. We go to the rest stop, and the guy looking at me, because we had been on TV, and he says, you TV preacher? Uh-huh. I, I don't know. <laughs> who wants to ask? And, um, and he says, man, I know you. You preach. And I say, you hear this thing way up here? I said, yeah, a guy from Aiken. Well, I'm up in Columbia and he said, Pastor Greg for me. And I'm saying, what, what is the power of just sticking your tape, giving tapes to people? You just don't know what God's going to do. Just do the simple. Stop worrying about tomorrow. Just do today real good. Just do the- Can you do today? Can you do today real good? And when there are, is resistance to you, don't worry about it. Just keep moving. If Paul had a stop when the Holy Spirit stopped him all these different places, talking about, I want to go home, you don't stop because you got trouble. Paul was jacked up all kind of ways. You read it in Corinthians. Messed up, jacked up, robbed, everything that happened to the guy. And he just wiped his wounds off and just went on about his business and kept on doing it. That's somebody with a vision from God. Every one of us needs to have that. Could you stand up on your feet? I'm so thankful. There comes a time when you realize that you'll be stagnated if you don't do something. Even in the best situation, and this was a good one for me, there can be a tendency to rest on some kind of laurels and stop growing. That would have been the case for me. I love, I can do it. I'm telling you, I went to my mama and I said, Man, they're talking about some church in South Carolina. She said, Go. I said, huh? You heard me, go. And my mama, one of them people, when they look at you, she don't blink. She don't even blink. I tried to stare her down one day. I couldn't do it. She just wouldn't blink. I'm strong, man. When she got something on her mind, forget it. And I said, but it ain't but 23 people. It'll grow. I said, Lord, I ain't getting no help. (laughs) She looked at me and she said, Gregory, and I know she's serious when she called my whole name. She's the one who named me after Gregory Peck. She did. She named me after him. And she said, Gregory, you have been holding people's coats all your life. Get out of here. What you going to do now? I said, well, I can't sell the house. Yeah, that's right. I can't sell the house, so I can't leave. A real estate guy belonging to this church, Richard Preer, Walked up to me, said, "Here, like, tell you talking about moving. You know, I sold you this house. I want to sell it." I said, oh, "Okay, Richard. You know, all right." He said, "Yeah." And when we sell this house, you get to keep the commission. Oh, I said, "Lord, my sister and my brother-in-law live in that house. I can go back there any time I get ready." <laughs> I keep saying. Give me my house back. <laughs> I want my house. But when, when God has set it up for you, you go through all your, <laughs> all your resting and when he says, chill out, let me do this, he'll just do this. Pop, 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 pop. That's what he's done is what he always will do. I want you to hear that for you. I'm not special at all. He'll do the same thing. He's been talking to you. Sadhouse was going to play me a Soprano saxophone. You know, Sylvan let me do that regular saxophone. That's my horn. Don said, I got the trumpet. I said, y'all, man, coming to me and giving me a clarinet? Well, what's up? So I decided as a grown man, I was going to do the, it looked like, it sounded like a trumpet, and, and it was a saxophone. Can't stop me now. I walked up to a guy who's one of the best saxophonists in South Carolina one day, and I said, hey, excuse me, you know where I can get a soprano saxophone? He said, yeah, I do. I, I can show you how to. I said, okay. So do you know where I can get any lessons? I just walked up to him. He said, I teach lessons. I said, you teach me? He said, yeah, I'll teach you. Gave me about 10, 12 lessons, and I've been blowing ever since, right? And if I get my courage on, I'm going to come back here next time and they give me a little extra time. And I'm going to blow, hallelujah. I'm going to blow that thing. And you're going to clap just like that. <laughs> but you know what I did? I stepped beyond the normal. I'm not reinventing myself. I'm unfolding what I already am. And I need you to do that for your life. Y'all feel me? Do the same thing. Don't stand in heaven and go, dog. You can't say that. I'm not going to let you do it. Do it over. Get it done now, man. Y'all feel me? You say you do. All right. I'm mad like I believe you then. could we bow your heads? We're done. Oh, dear Father, help us to expand on the inside. We've got to have courageous conversations with ourselves and with you and with others around us. And then we got to start planning some stuff. Got to make some changes, internal stuff, external. Quit some stuff and join some stuff. Got to have faith, trust you no matter what, and look for a new fire to burn and go follow it. We've been hearing about this all year so far. It's time to start doing something. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for your help. Clap your hands, please, and say amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Listen, I want to pray because there may be somebody in here. You came in and you were... You're polite you know somebody asked you to come and all and, or you've been thinking about coming and you showed up and maybe you don't have a relationship personally with Jesus I want you if you will just to bow your head for a moment because it could be somebody who just want to in a public place acknowledge that and I wish you would if you're having that sense in your heart you're saying in your soul you know talk about expansion I need to expand my heart open it up to a relationship with God and I want to do that today Pastor Greg under the sound of my voice, you hear me, and you know your heart is telling you to respond. I don't ask you to come down here. It's not about that. It's about your responding, and and one sign of your resolve is simply to raise your hand and say, "You know what? I'm thinking about that. I want to do that." Slip your hand up. If that's you, just slip it up where I, where I can see it. Just raise it high so I can see it. Raise it high over your head. Okay, I saw you, sister. I see you. I'm thankful. Somebody say Amen. Anybody else? Right there. You go. Right there in front of me. I see somebody back there too. I see three of you. You guys got courage. I see you back there too. That's four of you. I saw you too. God, but most importantly, God saw you. And I might not, you can put your hand down. I saw every one of you. And if I didn't see your hand, that's all right. I know somebody who did. You understand? It's about your responding. That was a, just, a, just a, a point of contact for you to just, to, just to like start your engine. Now, I want us all to pray together. And if you will, if you touch the hand of the person next to you, and you know how we hold hands now, especially when I'm here, and I'm going to watch you now. It ain't like, oh, man, the man told me to hold. Stop that. All right? Hold the hand nice. All right? And don't be squeezing it neither like you own somebody. I'm just talking. Just people polite. Just act like you, you know, you a God holding somebody's hand, however that is. And we're going to pray together. I'm going to pray the prayer because those four people, they are standing at the doorway, and we want to usher them into the kingdom. Could you pray? Oh, God, I believe in you. You're in my heart and in my mouth. I'm asking you to come into my heart to be the Lord of my life. From this day forward, I confess that you are my God. I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead. And that same resurrection power is raising me right now. Thank you, Lord. My relationship begins at this very moment. In the name of Jesus. Could you clap your hands and say amen? Come on, like you mean it. Oh, thank you.